name, we thank you so much uh, for all that you are already accomplishing in our life, Lord God. May our souls be enlightened. May we be drawn closer to you, Lord God, by the word that we will hear, hear today, Lord. Uh, Lord God, if there's any resistance towards your word, Lord God, any rejection towards it, Lord, we're praying that the barriers would come down in Jesus' name. Lord God, may that wall of resistance, that rejection of your word, Lord God, uh, that uh, attitude, Lord God, or behavior uh, that is complacent, Lord God, uh, concerning you, Lord God, uh, Lord God, just uh, let it uh, be broken down and allow your spirit to do his work, Lord. Now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Have you ever worked hard in your life and expected to get a reward in return? Do you go to work and expect to get something in return? In other words, uh, most of us, we work really, really hard be it on the job or at school, and we expect to get uh, money or good grades in return. Can you say amen? amen? Some people have worked hard on their jobs, and all of you are hard workers. I know you are. And you expect it to receive that raise from management, or for that matter, even a promotion, or certain jobs that I was doing, I just wanted them just to leave me alone and do my job. That was my reward, well, and the paycheck too. But it all makes sense uh, in the way that we uh, personally calculate our worth, or the idea of how we have done something to uh, promote forward momentum on that job where we serve, right? We, we put in not only for the, 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 the finances, but we want to see things change. We want to see people helped. That's why we do what we do. Else why do it, right? Some of you have quit jobs because you have not been effective doing what you have decided to do, which makes all the sense in the world. So even if you don't expect a payment or a promotion, like I said, you may want people to be moved to action. Uh, this past week or so, you may have heard stories there in France uh, of all the, uh, the protest marches that were going on there in Paris because uh, the populace want their taxes to be decreased. Right? So they are voicing their opinion. They're letting people know that this is not right. Because all they want is something to change concerning their taxes. So when we put in the effort, we want something in return. Right? That cause and effect. I work hard. I want what's due me. Today we're going to look at an individual, maybe two of them if I have an opportunity, who live their lives doing the things that they were supposed to do. And ultimately, they were rewarded in some way. What was their 
work and how that they get rewarded where, well, their work basically was being faithful to the Lord. That they had the responsibility, uh, the day in and day out, to be faithful to God. And in that faithfulness, they wanted something in return, or at least they got something in return. Now, from the onset, uh, I have to admit, uh, some of us may not necessarily expect, if I live my life of faithfulness, my reward will be when I get to heaven. When I receive that crown. When God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. For some of us, that's what we anticipate. That's what we desire. And I say, yes, you're absolutely right. But can God reward us in the here and in the now? Can He give us something that we would be so highly appreciative of that it feels like that final reward that we will receive in heaven. Could you say, as the characters that we're going to bring into this picture soon, that you have been faithful to the point that it is now time for God to reward you today? Can you say that? Have you been faithful that God can now reward you today because of that faithfulness. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And I love to hear the rustle of the pages of the Bible. I almost want to say, or the on button of your tablet or phone. But I love to hear the rustle of the pages of the Bible. It scares me when I don't. And I know many of you have tablets and smart devices and anything else. Uh, I get that. But I just feel so good when I hear that paper, those thin slices of trees go past. Right? We love our environment. Amen. Waiting for the consolation. Waiting for the consolation. Uh, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He was righteous and he was devout. Waiting for what? Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. One of the things that may cross your mind as you read a passage like this, and that is throughout Scripture, uh, there is this pattern of being righteous and devout. Certain people that we see uh, peppered throughout Scripture uh, that had uh, these adjectives attached to themselves. Some of those people you can find in 
Uh, Acts chapter 6, when they needed to find people who were, who were righteous and who were dedicated to the church. We find some people like that when you look at many of the prophets in the Old Testament who were willing to give their entire lives, even die for what they believed in the Lord. See it over and over again. But here in our passage in verse 25, I want you to take note of two things. Number one, yes, that Simeon was both righteous and devout. And number two, that he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. Let's look at the first one. Simeon was righteous and devout. So according to the standards of the law and according to the condition of of his heart, it was the Lord who found Simeon to be righteous and devout. Uh, Simeon was not walking around saying, look at me, look at how righteous I am, look at how good I am. He was not walking around saying that. Because if you're truly that, let someone else recognize that in you. Amen? Uh, people always talk about how good and how bad they are. Uh, be someone you might want to just step away from for a period of time. So righteous and living a devoted life to the Lord was the way that he lived, right? And he desired to please only one person, and that was uh, the Lord, his God. Can you say amen? Last week, he may know, he, I think he's napping right now, a uh, young man who played xylophone at our Christmas arts festival, uh, right at the very beginning, had a couple of minutes right before it was time uh, I was looking at him over here, and he, he told me, he says, we're getting, ready, we're getting ready to get started, but there's no one here. There's no one here. So don't worry about that. I said, even if no one shows up, I said, we are going to worship, and we are going to worship the Lord, even if no one else is here. Of course, when we got started, we had a lot of people that were here, of course. So at the end of the, our ministry, I asked him, so what do you think? He just shook his head. And then I explained to him again, and I said the same thing. And he says, oh, that's pretty deep. That's pretty deep, he says. It's pretty deep when we uh, need to worship when there's no one else that's watching us. Can you say amen? You see, if we can only worship when someone else is here, or if we can only worship uh, uh, when there is an audience, then maybe our hearts are not right. Amen? See, God wants us right where we are. So when we start our service, even uh, if we are, my family, only, only ones on one side at that time, one thing that we know, that we're going to go ahead and we're going to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. You see... God honors faithfulness, yet at the same time, even though we're faithful, we must not be presumptuous uh, and, and, and think we will receive the same thing that Simeon received. You see, Simeon, remember what did he receive? We'll get that in one second, right? But he received something special. Well, basically, it was long, a long life, right? A long life, he was able to see something really, really good. But I needed to say this because uh, some would uh, take verses like this. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and, and read a little bit more. Uh, we started at verse uh, 25. Uh, verse 25 again. 
It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, verse 26, and it, was, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. See what he's saying? He would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. Right? So why was that? Because he was righteous, because he was devout, it was God himself who decided to reveal this to him. Right? Let's look at another passage. This is an example. Many of you know this really well by now. Job chapter 1, verse 8. Job 1, verse 8. Talking about someone who's righteous and devout. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? So again, it was God who said, look at Job, that basically that he was righteous and, and basically he was devout. There was no one like him on the face of the earth. But did God tell Job that you will not die or nothing will ever happen into, to you until you see the Lord's Christ? He was righteous. He was devout. And God told Satan, go ahead and do your best. You see, on the one hand, uh, sometimes when you are faithful to God, you know, it seems like everything comes up roses. Amen? But other times when you are faithful and devoted to God, it seems like you can't even catch your breath because life is so hard. Well, which one is blessed by the Lord? Are those that where everything is coming up roses or those who are just struggling uh, to, just to get through another day? Who has been blessed by God? And the answer to that is both of them. So whether you are struggling whether things are going well, know that if you are in Christ, that you are blessed of the Lord. And for that, we can say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Here Job was being totally routed by the devil. And the devil wanted to kill him. The devil wanted to end his life. So know that there are varying levels of reward for being dedicated to God. Don't, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. I was just reading in the paper this past week, that there's a, uh, this guy, I forget from which country that he's from, uh, where uh, I forget what he called himself, some kind of religious name, that uh, uh, he's supposed to have been this God man. He said that he had healed millions of people. Millions of people. But now they wanted to put him in jail for extortion, instilling millions and millions of dollars, amongst other things. So don't always believe the hype when they tell you, I'm here to do this for you. It is something that you may not need to believe. Believe God. So Simeon, he was righteous and devout. It says he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. What in the world is that? What in the world is the consolation of Israel? Well, consolation is simple. It means to console or to give comfort. 
right? How do you give, uh, console someone when they are having a hard time? Well, you comfort them, right? You help them through moral and emotional uh, issues, right? You give them the support that they need. This is how you do it. So in other words, it wasn't just his consolation. It wasn't just the comfort that he needed himself, but it was for the consolation for all the people of Israel. In other words, the Israelites had been through a lot over the millenniums, and they wanted relief. A person can only take so much before they give, it, give in or give up and go off somewhere. Sometimes people can only take so much. Israel had been overrun, and you know the story, by multiple nations like Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, or in our time, the Germans. They had been overrun one after another by all these foreign folks trying to kill them, trying to snuff them out on the face of the earth. Seems like any nation wanted to take advantage of them that they could because there's no one around to protect them. Simeon, as well as others, that they were waiting for this consolation. Uh, very quickly, uh, look at verse 36 in Luke chapter 2. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow, until she was 84. So it looked like she was a young lady, uh, probably married maybe when she was about 17 or 18 years, years old. So she was married for about seven, uh, seven years. Let's say that takes us to, to about uh, 25 or 26 years old. And from that point all the way to 84, uh, uh, 84 years old, that she, uh, what does the passage say? It says that she did not depart from the temple. She stayed in church, y'all, worshiping and with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him uh, to who all were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Right? So on the one hand, Simeon spoke of the consolation of Israel, but on the other hand, Anna, uh, she spoke of the redemption of Israel. Are we talking about the same one? And the answer is yes, we are. We're talking about the same one. Yet the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he saw the consolation of Israel for himself. The comforting of Israel. After having such a difficult time, the entire nation. You know, this is pretty fascinating because how often does the Lord guarantee anyone a certain span of life? We know that it uh, happened to Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, and we know it happened here. And we know even Lazarus was, was risen from the dead. But we can't take a passage like that and then begin to claim it for ourselves and say, the Lord has promised me I'm going to be 100 years old before I die. I once uh, knew this lady that um, 
She was uh, an overseer at this church. They had a pastor, and then they had the overseer. She was the overseer at this church. And uh, she said that uh, one time she got sick, she came back to that church, and she says, I I'm not going to die because the Lord told me I'm going to live until I'm 90-something years old. And she ended up passing away like 80-something. So either she did not hear from God properly or, or God changed his mind. So it is not a common occurrence that, that God decides to extend our life or to promise us a certain, a certain time frame. The one thing that we know is that whatever the case may be, you need to know Jesus and you need to know him today. Can you say amen? So here's Simeon. He shows up and uh, it says that in, in verse 27 in, in chapter 2 of Luke, and he came into the spirit uh, the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Right? Uh, so uh, Simeon was in the temple. He was righteous. He was devout. And look who showed up in the temple. It was that miracle baby that would be the consolation of Israel. And you heard it before. How do we know that? Because prophecy tells us that. Isaiah 9 and 6 again. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. One more thing about this consolation of Israel. I've mentioned that consolation, it means uh, to give comfort or to console. We got that down. And also remember that many were awaiting the redemption of Israel or the consolation of Israel, that they, they needed to be comforted. We recall that. But I want you to look at another passage. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. Look at this. Gospel of John, chapter 14, beginning in verse 16. Jesus is speaking. He says this, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And you're like, okay, all right. The word helper that you see here translated in ESV is the word parakletos. It's the Greek word Parakletos. Parakletos, or as you may have come uh, to know it as the paraclete, that it points to the Holy Spirit as being that helper. All right? Okay, you say, okay, I get all that. So where are you going with this, right? Well, the consolation of Israel, or the word console in our passage, is the word paraklesis. Well, what does that mean? The word parakletos and paraklesis, that they are from the same root word, which means to comfort, or in one sense, to help. So Jesus was in concert with the Holy Spirit and they all were unified as being one God working all of this out. So the consolation of Israel is the comforter, is the Holy Spirit, 
is Jesus the one who, who comforts? Well, which one is it? It's all of them. Because we worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, but remember, here Israel, the Lord our God, for the Lord our God is what? One. Here we see the work of the Trinity right in action, not realizing, uh, having it uh, covered up until it's uh, revealed to us. So revealing of that consolation. Again, verses 26-28, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he had came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. You see, in order to recognize miracles, we must first be in the Spirit. Amen? Uh, sometimes when we are not in the Spirit, we can't recognize, identify what God is doing. We ourselves must be in the Spirit, and we must be led by the Spirit at the same time. And this is very important, especially as we look at this miracle that happened on what we call Christmas Day. That those who are not led by the Spirit, that they may reject any notion of the miracle of either the birth, the virgin birth of Christ, or any notion they may reject uh, the fact that God has come in the flesh, not only to be led of the Spirit, but to believe the work that the Spirit is doing. Here's one for you. Muslims claim that today's Christian Bible is corrupt, and they assert their Quran is the final authority or the final word of God. So they say that the word that you have here, they say it's all corrupt and it's all no good at all. That's what they say. Yet, listen to this, they affirm. You hear it when I say affirm? They say yes to. They say yes, you're right, you're right. They affirm Jesus as a prophet. They affirm, listen to this, the virgin birth of Jesus. They affirm his physical ascension. They affirm his second coming. They affirm his sinlessness. They affirm his miracles. They affirm his messiahship. Uh, yes, in the Quran. Well, how are they able to affirm all that? Because they took the Bible and they read it and they said, all this is true. But wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Because if the Bible is corrupt, and then you take the stuff that you see in the Bible and you write it in another book, doesn't that make your other book also corrupt? It makes no sense in the world. Basically, it, it, it boils down to picking and choosing what you decide to believe. So they got some truths correct, but then rejected other important ones like Jesus Christ actually being God. So in order to accept the fullness of God's truth, it requires the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, he's going to teach us. The Holy Spirit, he's going to tell us things that we don't know. But then there are those who consider themselves Christians. 
And by the way, if you're wondering, well, how do, how do you know this about the Quran? Because I read it for myself in the Quran. I want you to know that. I want you to know I read it for myself in the Quran. I opened up the Quran and I read it. Right? Because I had to find out for myself. Amen? Don't just take my word for it. But some of you don't need to be looking at the Quran. Amen? Some of you, you just need to pick up the Bible. Amen? All right? Leave the Quran alone. Because you, you, might, you might end up deceived. You might end up deceived. But then there are some who also don't have the guidance of the Holy Spirit who call themselves Christians. Right? They call themselves Christians and they reject key components of the faith like, like what? The virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But wait a minute. You mean to tell me Muslims believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, but some Christians don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Again, people picking and choosing what they decide what they're going to believe from Scripture. It's very intriguing. So Simeon was led by the Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit revealed the consolation. So if you are led by the Spirit, you must also accept the truth of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Who knows that sometimes when you hear the truth, it's uncomfortable. Who expect that the consolation or the redemption of Israel would be in the form of a baby? How is this? This baby ain't nobody. How is he going to do anything for us? You see, if you are led to a place where water exists, you are doing fine. But when you see it, you can also reject the notion of that water as being good or good to drink. You can even consider it's just a mirage. I'm just seeing things. The work of the Holy Spirit is actionable. The work of the Holy Spirit is actionable. In other words, when the Holy Spirit does something, he expects for us to do what? Alright, let's try it again. Some people got it, some people didn't. When the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us to a place, He expects us to do what? Act. If the Holy Spirit opens up an avenue for us and we do nothing, we might as well not even be obedient to God. Because it does not serve us. You lack faith. I lack faith in that scenario. We must follow God. Amen? Sin is going to be easy. Sometimes following God is hard. If you think it's going to be easy all the time, you know, I'm going to get saved and everything is going to, again, it's going to come up roses, then you are mistaken. So never discount the possibilities of God's power working in you through the Holy Spirit. You know, Simeon, he could have lived his entire life and never have uh, seen uh, God's answers for Israel. He then would have died never seeing Jesus. Never have seen Jesus. But this is the time that God expects us to test the spirits to see what? If they are of God. Test the spirits. Test the spirits. But what allows Simeon, though, to connect with the Spirit is how he lived his life. A life of faith. 
even though it was under the law. Uh, just because you're under the law does not mean you have no faith. In fact, the law demands faith. As we read earlier in John chapter 1, that when Jesus Christ came, he, it says grace abound. What does it say? That he, we receive grace on top of grace, on top of grace, on top of grace. Which also requires faith. It requires faith. Some fail to have faith along with the word wedded to it to move them beyond doubt. To move them beyond their weak critiques of the word. Now look at this. Verses 25, 26, and 27. Back in Luke 2. Now we see that thread that's woven through it. We already said that uh, we found out in, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, that Jesus Christ would send uh, the Comforter Right? Who is the Holy Spirit. And we found out that that word is basically the same word. So through those verses we see that consolation. Holy Spirit. And Spirit working in what seems to be in a stealthy fashion to bring about revelation, understanding, and consolation. At least in Simeon's soul and in his heart. So consolation, Holy Spirit, and Spirit each are different expressions in a sense uh, to refer uh, to the commonality of the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the work of Jesus Christ. Have you ever missed the work of the Holy Spirit due to a failure to commune with God? That life, again, is just dull and it's the same old, same old? But have you experienced the joy of the work of the Holy Spirit because you are actively engaged in relationship with the Lord? A oh, Lord have mercy. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like experiencing the joy of the Lord. The satisfaction of the consolation. Verse uh, 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. It's easy to recognize answers to prayer when you're open to the Lord speaking in your heart. Amen? When you shut God off, you, it's hard to hear answers. It's hard to hear what God is doing when you shut him off. Well, how do we shut him off? You know how we shut him off. We're not praying. We're not worshiping. Or when we do, we're looking for an audience. You see, uh, people, we, we look at the outside, but God looks at what? God looks at our hearts. I'm not sure if Simeon had a checklist to help him determine when the consolation of Israel would, would, would appear. But he knew that he would know what it was when he, we found him. We see that Simeon's uh, answer prayer, where did it happen? Where did Simeon's prayer happen? Did it happen when he was out getting popsicle from the popsicle truck? Uh, did it, did it oh, on the popsicle truck, right? I'm dating some of you all. 
right? Uh, did it happen uh, when he was at the library? Did it happen uh, when he was at work, so to speak? Where did he find the consolation of Israel? He was in church. Can you say amen? You realize that sometimes God may not answer your prayer unless you show up to church. Can you say amen? Some of you recall the acronym that I oftentimes use that I have adopted concerning followers of Jesus Christ in their relationship to church. And I said uh, uh, that we all must be fat. Amen? Hey, can, you, can you say amen to that? We all must be fat. Say amen. Come on, say amen. Say, God, let me be fat. I hear y'all. I, I hear you. It's an acronym. And it means what? Faithful. What? Available and teachable. Let's try it again. What is it? Fat is faithful, available, and teachable. If you are not faithful, then your availability doesn't matter because most people can't trust you. If you are never available to be faithful or teachable, people can't depend on you. This is a phenomenon that has been occurring in the church for many, many years now. What's happening is that the church is being weakened because individuals are not being faithful. If you are not teachable, then how could you grow and mature concerning the areas where you are your weakest? See, no one told Simeon who this baby was. Jesus didn't have a uh, 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 a, uh, a baseball cap on his head that says little Messiah on it. Right? His, his parents didn't, uh, 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 I guess, uh, knit or embroider little Jesus in the side of his blanket. They just showed up in church and Simeon knew because it is, it is the witness. Have you ever experienced the witness of the Holy Spirit before? Something that you knew, that you knew, that you knew. Uh, no, you couldn't, you couldn't say X, Y, and Z because they got on this, because they got on that. But something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you can tell. Your spirit just says yes. Your spirit says yes. Your spirit says, yep, that's it. Or your spirit says, nope, don't go through that door. Everybody else is saying, come on, go through the door. Come on, go through the door. You say, I ain't trying to hear that mess. And then you get criticized because you are listening to the Spirit while everybody else is trying to egg you on to go through the door. But you see, it is the witness of the Holy Spirit that allows us to see that we must be in tune with God. Amen? I'm telling you, this is the way that we must live our lives. So Simeon, he knew when Jesus and Mary and Joseph came through the door, his heart said, yep, there they are. That's it. Promises made, a promise is kept. The Lord made and kept his promise to Simeon. You know, these days it's becoming increasingly difficult to believe what a person says, but let alone what they promise you. Sometimes you just can't, I mean, you know where we are in our nation. Can you say amen? So I don't have to say any more. 
Who wants to live like that? Who wants to live knowing that every word that comes out of someone person's, uh, another person's mouth is totally unreliable? You look at them, you say, you just say, they lie, they lie, they lie, they lie. I ain't going to believe it till I see it. Oh, they lie. They say hi to you, you say, they lie. They say bye to you, you say, they lie. Right? You don't believe any of that stuff, right? It's a shame where we are. It's a shame where we are. And some of that coming from Christians. But looking at Simeon, we observe another pattern, which when someone waits on God, uh, an act of God to happen, then a blessing is released in another area. So you're waiting on God to do this, and when you've been faithful, and you're waiting on God, and when it happens, then it opens the door for another blessing. All right, now I'm not. I'm, well, hear me, hear me now. Hear me now. I got to. Uh, I, I don't want to have to qualify all this because it's just, it's just, a, it's a biblical fact. Period. Right. So I'm not going down a strange path, but it is, it is a fact of our Christian faith. Sometimes when you've been faithful, you've been waiting on certain things, and life has been so stubborn, you can't figure out why, and then you've waited, you've been faithful to God and everything that you've done, and then finally that one door opened, and then it's like a floodgate of blessings that come your way. Right? Amen? All right. Let's go on. So the promise of the Lord that he made to Simeon was that he would not see death until he first saw the consolation of Israel, who is Jesus Christ. This is the day that we're celebrating, the day we call Christmas. This is the miracle of Christmas, the consolation not only of Israel, but the consolation and redemption of the entire world. Then he says here in verse 29, Lord, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He says, now I can go. Now I've seen Jesus. I can go now. Now I've seen the Messiah for myself. Lord, just take me home. Sometimes when we think about what, it, what does it mean uh, to finally go, we say, well, I just want my family to be together before I go. Uh, first, I need to get all my affairs in order before I go. But for Simeon, it's like, you know, I've seen Jesus. I don't need nothing else. I've seen Jesus, so I'm ready to go because I'm going to see him again. Because if he came once, he's going to come a second time. See, for me, Jesus is enough. Jesus is all I need. Because we all will struggle. Jesus is what we need. We all will hit walls. Jesus is what we need. Because this world will pass away. Right? It will turn into dust. So if you don't have Jesus, you end up with nothing. And if you put your hope in this world or the people in this world, it will all crumble with you. Says so now you're letting me depart in peace. Peace. He was able to depart with his, in concord with God's word, uh, like Romans chapter five, verse one. <laughs> Paul says, therefore, uh, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Or back in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Simeon goes on to say that he saw for himself what the Lord was going to do for people. Amen? A prophecy about that consolation. Verses 33-35, Luke 2. And his father and his mother marveled, marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The entrance of the Messiah into the world scene would be for the rise and the fall of many. The rise of many will be those who have found their place in Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Those who had been downcast, they will be uplifted. Jesus would also speak of the, the fall of many. Matthew 23, verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. Anytime any of the prophets begin a sentence with woe, watch out. They're in big trouble. So some will not view Jesus the Messiah as a consolation. We hear the song, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, the Lord, uh, to the Lord, the world has come. Let earth receive her king. You see, it's not going to be joy for everybody. See, that song is, is an eschatological song. It is letting us know that when, when Jesus comes, that it's going to be joy for some, but for others it's going to be pure hell. So don't be deceived. So some will view Jesus the Messiah as a threat. And this is the genius behind the Lord. He comes to bring love, or some will receive wrath. Regardless of what people intentionally or unintentionally believe, they will receive the fruits of their labor. And at the end of the day, the Lord will stand unscathed by the vicious attacks of those who unfairly and unjustly disparage him and his people. God says it simply will not stand in his heavenly court. Jesus Christ is our consolation. Jesus Christ is the miracle of Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again.